Hey guys, welcome to BHL's Conversations. Today we're talking to Al Gregg, who is the writer and director of the Jamaica House documentary that is premiering at the Pan-African Film Festival this month. We're talking The Club Night, one of LA's most prolific club nights, and the doc right after this. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live. Conversation. This is the song. It is. It is. It captures it all. To live and die in to LA. To live and die in LA. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm excited to tell these story, tell my story. It's almost like a love letter to LA. Really. Yeah, exactly. Well, what's up, guys? I'm your host, Alina Vision. And normally I'm co-hosting with Al <laughs> because we're we've done a couple of shows here on yeah. BHL and After Buzz together. And I'm just so stoked that you are coming out with this amazing documentary and we get a chance to talk about it here on Conversations. Great. No, thanks for having me. It's a slightly different setting, but I'm ready for it. And, you know, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm all in. This is my homegirl right here. This is that's family. Right, that's Alina's right. my sister from another mother. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it's great to chit-chat with you. Um, so first off, this is actually going to be uh, premiering at the... Pan-African Film Festival. It is Black History Month, so I could not think of a more perfect time, especially yeah. for this documentary. Um, I watched it. I was in awe. I was amazed. Oh, I loved it. I think okay. it's something that people definitely need to go out and see. Thanks. Um, so, yeah. So, for those of you out there, the screening is February 9th at 9.20 p.m. and Monday, February 11th at 4 p.m. at the Cinemark. And, yeah, so let's let's get into it. But before we get into it, I want to show a little preview, okay. kind of, of what people can expect. So let's roll this. All right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you talking about once, yeah, yeah. Once we get that ready for you, we'll go back to it. But um, before we do that, I just want to kind of, you know, get to know you as a director. What uh, led you into filmmaking? Um, well, I was born and raised in L.A. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of my story. And I love people that come from all around, you know, the nation. But. I'm one of the few people who actually grew up here, yeah. you know, Queen of Angels Hospital, grew up in the Baldwin Hills, Crenshaw District. Uh, me and uh, my three other friends, we all kind of grew up together. And the film is actually somewhat, not somewhat, it is autobiographical because right. it's not just the story of Jamaica House, this legendary hip hop and reggae club of the 90s. It's the stories uh, of the guys who put it together, kind of like a coming of age story, not just for us, but for hip hop as well as the music. And so we'll get a taste, you know, yeah. in the clip. Let's check it out. <laughs> You came to L.A., Jamaica House is where you wanted to be because that's where everybody went. That was the spot. Being at Jamaica House, you never knew who was going to get on that stage. I was too good for Michael Jackson stuff. Now I'm going to be close. Being at the music machine, bear witness to Jamaica House. The chef right here from Wu-Tang Clan. You're already doing it big. Jamaica House. The Fuji. Nas. Biggie, Gangstar, Farside, Tribe Called Quest, Drew Down, EPMD, De La Soul, Delta Funky on the Sapien, Digital Underground, Above the Lord. I started off in um, in the late 80s. I used to hustle on the street. I was picked up by EZE and Dr. Dre. At the time, they were developing Rufus Records, Jamaica House. It was, it was like my spot. Jamaica All House. All right, let's come back in that. from that. Uncle Y'all Dan's had some big heavy hitters up in this. Oh, uh, yeah. It's Everybody from uh, Biggie to Tupac, all the members of WA, even when Easy was alive, Cube, and ironically, when there was this big supposed West Coast, East Coast beef, and well, and well it was a beef, but everybody felt safe at Jamaica House. We still had all the uh, East Coast guys from mm-hmm. Diddy and his crew to Nas, Wu-Tang, everybody from like the greatest era in hip-hop, in my opinion, the golden era of hip-hop, yeah. um, like around from 89 all the way into, uh, you know, to like 99. Right. So 
What inspired you to make this doc? Obviously, when you guys were doing the club night yeah. here in L.A., you had a lot of footage. We had tons of footage, and it was, I don't know. it's Because it's like behind the scenes, like it's, dope It's like footage. almost how could you not? Let me paint yeah. a picture, Alina. Okay. I wasn't even 21. I wasn't even old enough to promote a club. Because I've been sneaking in clubs since I was like 16. But I was in, I just started film school at USC. So in addition to being a promoter and me and my friends being like these party guys, we go around town just throwing these great parties. I was in film school. So I would sneak my camera, you know, and I would like shoot the club. And it just turned out that, um, it just blew up bigger than any of us could have imagined because we were just like these young LA kids hanging out on the scene. And, um, like I said, uh, I got bust. We got bust to West L.A. I went mm-hmm. to Beverly Hills High. So did a couple of other my partners. And we just had this big cross-section of friends. And I think we were really responsible for this era in 80 for what you for what hip-hop looks like now as far as it being integrated and going commercial and crossing over and it wasn't an intentional thing it was just that you know we grew up in this neighborhood we grew up in the black community but we have friends you're not just in fox hills and south central but in uh west la venice the first time we did it was in santa monica with a bunch of skaters and punk rockers so man it's really it's really hard to um, recreate that time in la it was really a special time in, in music and the culture yeah no kidding i mean even just thinking about going out nowadays is completely different yeah. from even 10 years ago and especially 20 years ago. Um, so you are the writer and director of this doc. How hard was it to juggle both of that? And you're in it. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> it's terribly hard. And actually, it took a little convincing to uh, bring the focus around toward not just me, but the guys as well. Like I said, right. it's, a, it's, it's a coming of age story for hip hop as well as the guys who started it. I really just wanted to tell a story about the music and about Jamaica House, the club, all these great artists. And there's a story in there, you know, about we, the transition going from happy rap and, you know, De La Soul right, and, yeah. you know, Karis One positive rap to like gangster rap. We saw that as L.A. was changing, the crack era and the gangster era that, you know, we saw the music change mm-hmm. literally and the crowd began to change. But um, while I wanted to focus on that, every person I took it to was like, well, you know what? All that stuff's great about the music and hip hop. But we want to know about the guys behind the club, right? the guys behind the story. So I had to kind of turn the camera on myself and as well as my partners, you know, <laughs> just kind of like, you know, reveal everything, warts and all. You get to see it all there about <laughs> us and how we grew up and all our flaws and foibles and challenges and, you know, demons we struggled with and the things that got us to where we are now. OK, well, let's start off at the beginning. So. Take us back to when Jamaica House was just an idea. How did you guys take it from an idea to an actual party and the party that blew up? Shout out to my partners, David and Howard. Uh, David and Howard are the uh, the guys who thought of the actual club with its inception. But because we were all best friends, we all went to elementary school together. They brought me in and another guy named Mike O'Connor in. Mm-hmm. And we we're all like a little crew, you know? So once we did the first party, I mean, people think, you know, like, I don't know. It it was a slow process, but unfortunately, it was like cracking from the beginning. Yeah. Like we, Mike, his cousin, I guess, is like Tone Logue, okay? And like we all knew a lot of people. Ice T came down the first night and performed. Dang, that's how hot it was. So, <laughs> yeah. so they set it off. And um, shout out to Ice because he's getting more involved in the film. But it's one of those that you know we came out blasting out the gate, and then like a year later, Tupac started coming down. And this is a really interesting time in the hip hop business too, because back then these were all promotional promotional shows. Now, obviously, you have to pay artists tons of money. But back then, yeah. they would come to us. They would want to play for free, right. and half the time. 
one, the labels were sponsoring us. You know, the uh, all the labels, uh, Universal, uh, the Def Jams, and as well as all the radio stations in L.A. From the, it was the original ninety two point three, then the original uh, K Day, then yeah. the new K Day, and then Power one hundred six. Um, it was a really pivotal time uh, in the city, and it's just something like I said that we didn't necessarily plan. Mm-hmm. It was something that was just thrust on these guys, just you know, who were really just looking to party and have fun. But you know, I think it really throughout the evolution of the film, you'll get to see how it reveals our different personalities and our different character and our struggles. Right, right. What was the most challenging aspect of putting this film together? Oh man, yeah, the most is is literally getting the people together. Right. Um shout out to all the people that sent me footage. 50% or more than 50%. I shot what you're going to see on the right. screen, but other people would send me a footage and please continue if you have some footage out there. <laughs> you know, but it's like getting everybody together and it's like one of those things, you know how a project works. If yeah. if it starts out really small, people are like, "Yeah, well, you know, you're really small right now. Let me know when you get it together." Right. So we, 10 years ago, we literally started out with like a 30-second trailer. And it was a crappy little trailer, you know. Right, right. But I was so excited and I sit around my friends and they're like, yeah, 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 get back to this one some more. So somebody would send us some more footage. And then I would go get some, do, do some interviews. And I would do some more interviews. And I would get some more footage. So I would uh, uh, compile the film over time. And gradually we went from like, you know, this little trailer to a short film to a work in progress to right now it's a, it's an hour long feature, slightly over an hour. And there's going to be different versions after that. But yeah, again, the hardest part was like bringing together all the elements and really all the people. Right. And the fact that you, you know, still had this footage that you took from your colleges. I think it just yeah. speaks to, you know, um, your creativity that you saw back then how special this night was mm. and that, I mean, you have Tupac spitting bars backstage, yo. Disson, like... Dale Gates, and the LAPD. Thank you for pointing that out, Alina. Yeah. I, I didn't want to, I don't want to let this point fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the music and the underground culture in L.A., but this was a very significant time in Los Angeles. We're talking about, since we began the club in 89, we're coming out of the 80s crack era. We're coming out of Reaganomics. Right. You know, there were, Reagan had ended all these social programs. We put the homeless on the street or, or people who had uh, mental challenges, right. no mm-hmm. place to go. He had cut off all the after-school programs. Right. So there was this slew of people on the street in a vacuum where all these other positive outlets for them had been taken away. And so you see, and like, I don't want to get too deep into the whole idea about how crack was pumped into this country by the CIA, but, you know, and floods Mm -hmm. particularly in South Central Los Angeles, but that's when you saw, like, the gangs go from super gangs. The Crips and the Bloods were, like, super Crips and super Bloods, and, you know, Jamaica House kind of came out of that era, and unfortunately, you can see kind of, like, um, how that element, I guess, uh, infiltrated the club and and the music as well, but uh, the positive point I was getting back to is that um, with all this this uh, this climate going on in Los Angeles, all this conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodney King had literally just uh, just happened, like in 1992. This happened on night one of uh, night one of the Los Angeles riots. We called the uprising was uh, a night of Jamaica House on a Wednesday night, mm-hmm. and literally the city was burning. I didn't think we we're gonna do a club. My boy Dave is like page me. I had a pager then. Yeah. <laughs> He's page me. He's like, get down to the club. I'm like, we're doing the club. LA's burning. Yeah. Go down there. There's a line Where was around the, club the block. At, that night? at this the club time, night this time it was at yeah. the Music Machine. Okay. Again, it was in Santa Monica. Santa Monica yeah. yeah, and we were known for. Uh, and I got to get this in for originally starting. Uh, to use uh, reggae venues, you know, like okay, Kingston yeah, 12 and yeah. the Music Machine, because we, we played hip-hop and reggae. And at this particular venue, you know, everybody came out. And there was a line down the block. The police came, the barricades. 
Pac comes in. Everybody's like, Pac's here. He wants to get in. How do we get him in? How do we get in? Let's bring him to the back. Yeah. Smuggle him through the back. Put the camera up. And he just dishes this ill yeah. freestyle against the LAPD and Daryl Gates. You know, just basically about... It's so relevant right now. We're talking about, it you know, is, police yeah. killing of unarmed black men. Shout out to all the good police, though, that back then yeah. and right now. And but right now. but um, but uh, it was a very uh, explosive time in Los Angeles and a really, uh, I guess, you could say a real pivotal point in history. Yeah. And the fact that you were able to catch that on camera, and especially oh, Tupac saying all that backstage. I mean, it was like lightning amazing. in a bottle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's great to see it in the doc film. Um, So. You kind of touched on how the culture reflected the night. How did the night kind of reflect the culture and vice versa? Uh, um, they definitely influenced each other. Let me give you an example. Okay, if um, Jamaica House was where all the creative people came. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to my boy Jason Sugars. He talks about how how this person who came was just originally starting up as a, as a stylist, a designer. My girl Julie Z, shout out to her, <laughs> to her fashion line. She, uh, and she was starting her thing out. And then my boy was starting his T-shirt line out. And I was starting out in film. And then David and Howard, my partners, were starting off a record label. And uh, Paul Stewart was starting out like his power move promotions. All these guys, my boy Eddie Donaldson, everybody was doing like these wonderful, creative, musical, authentic things in Los Angeles. And Jamaica House was kind of like where everybody came. And not only did they bring their different ideas and their different tastes to it, out of Jamaica House would become more ideas and, right. and more influences. Case in point, okay, the Black Eyed Peas. Man, yeah. I remember Will I Am. He was a break dancer at yeah, Jamaica he was. House. At him <laughs> Back and in you the know day. my boy yep. Fat Lip from Far Side. I remember them battle dancing, pop locking, and yep. like this is a, I think when uh, uh, Black Eyed Peas were like at that clan or something like that for all you OGs mm-hmm. out there. And they went from that to five years later being on the Jamaica House stage. So that's how we influenced the culture and influenced the night. Right. Uh, Give me a breakdown of some of your most memorable performances. Because you guys had a lot. I mean, you all had yeah. big... You had everybody yeah. performing on that yeah. stage. Yeah, it's almost, it's, it's almost hard to to choose ones. Like, I don't know, man. Okay, Biggie and yeah. uh, and Puff. And seeing Puff doing his little yeah, dance. Yeah, the Diddy like dance. There. Yeah, Diddy doing shoulders. the Diddy dance. And he said, <laughs> instead of and instead of shouting out one part which says Brooklyn, he says, shout out to LA, yeah. shout out to Jamaica House. Gangstar. Gangstar was one of my favorite ones. And RIP uh, to uh, Guru, shout out to uh, DJ Premier. That was a really pivotal night. Dougie Fresh. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I'm just like an old school head. I mean, like we're talking, even though I'm a golden era guy, I just love 80s hip hop. Right. And we starts doing like Lottie Dottie, you know, yeah, and yeah. everybody's waving their hands, singing, pumping it to the crowd, to every beat. Literally, it was spiritual. It, it, right. it felt spiritual to me. I, I was. It was more so than like documenting the moment. It was just being part of something that was like, wow, this is this is real. Right. So we talked about how, you know, this is obviously during the 90s when the whole East Coast, West Coast thing mm-hmm. happened, the feud yeah. going on. Um, and you did have people like Puffy and Biggie mm-hmm. come in. How did that, how did, when did you see the shift? When did it change? Did they still feel okay coming to Jamaica House? Everybody still felt okay coming it to Jamaica. It was ja- a safe space. It was a safe space. Okay. And like literally one week we would be, and to show you how long Jamaica House went, it lasted a decade. We went from, uh, and this is kind of like Tupac's, he's also a fifth uh, lead character in the film mm-hmm. because he was a part of the club when he was just like uh, uh, just joining Digital Underground. And he was like a backup dancer doing the Huffy uh, dance yeah, and all that. Yeah. And then 10 years later, the club was still going on in a different incarnation. And he's rolling up with Suge Knight and Death Row. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
and then we'd make sure not to book the the obviously like the death row party on the night. You know, <laughs> we're gonna do the bad boy yeah. party, <laughs> but obviously tons of security. But tons of security, I guess, is still it was you couldn't totally alleviate all the problems. And, you know, people say that part of the problems with hip hop, I don't want to say they talk about the violence being part of the culture. I don't want to say violence is a part of the hip hop culture. Violence is a part of our culture in general. Yeah. So obviously hip hop is going to reflect that. And so some of that spilled over into the club and. You know, you get to see some of that. You know, it's kind of tragic at the end, too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, One thing that I wanted to touch on was in the doc, you talked about the change from going underground Mm -hmm. to more commercial. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about that, because, you know, underground, everything's cool. You get the cool kids. Uh And then once you start going commercials, things change real, real quick. Yeah. 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 And then then people change. And to be perfectly honest, Uh I got to give Dave and Howard credit for that, because as you see in the film, we're very distinct personalities. These guys were definitely more business oriented. I was the creative guy. I was more concerned about the music. Like I booked our first reggae DJ and like organized that room and I was like really into like okay how's the artwork gonna look and, yeah. and the flyers and I was more concerned about okay are these the right people coming are we into the same kind of vibe those guys had a bigger perception you know they 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 were capitalists mm-hmm. and they saw it they saw the power of hip-hop and they saw how much it could draw and you know and I guess like thank God for them because you know the club the club blew up from this little tiny club like I said in Santa Monica Kingston 12 uh music machine to like the Roxbury, really being like the biggest, yeah. and really the only, I want to say black, but the hip hop night at the Roxbury, you didn't really have those, you know, going on at no. the nineties on the sunset strip. And then eventually the Mayan and the vertigo and all these huge clubs, right. you know, that Jamaica house would like pack out literally every week. Right. So talk about a little, cause you, you touched on this just now. Um, being, you know, four black men mm-hmm. doing a club night in Hollywood yeah. in Santa Monica in yeah. LA in general at that time, yeah. what were some of, um, maybe the challenges that you guys faced going into that? Because not a lot of people were doing yeah. that. Well, well, first of all, we had to get a front man. <laughs> we had a white front man. We had our white friend going there. You gotta hustle it. You gotta <laughs> hustle it. And again, like we were just like party guys, you know, yeah, we were just like yeah. party kids and like and um we'd like to go to this place called Kingston Twelve. Again, it was like the local like reggae hip hop spot. Mm-hmm. And um we were, we were down there all the time anyway, and the guy would say, well, like, man, you guys should have a party. You should be have a party, because we're always down there, and we knew lots right. of people. Everybody knew that. But it's like, well, damn, we can tell we're underage. No, no, let's send our friend in to talk to <laughs> <laughs> our, 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 our white friend exactly. was very corporate. Very corporate. Yeah. Same tie. Yeah. Same thing. Even when we got into the Mayan, we didn't, I mean... We've always been the primary pro- promoters behind the club, yeah. but we would have like a go between, you know, kind of like right. negotiate the deal for the venue. And uh, this is a good point for me to shout out all these other people because while the four guys I mentioned, are, including myself, are the founding partners, promoters, man, we have had tons of other people come in and partner with the club and promote mm-hmm. the club. And even when I went away to school, some guys came in and, you know, carried the wake. So shout out to all you guys out there, you know, who helped. Um, Adam 12, can't forget about you, DJ Aliwad, uh, Lightning, you know, there's just so many people, you know, who were who just a part of it. Yeah, no kidding. Now, talking about promotion, you were one of the main promoters, correct? Yeah, I was one correct? of the main promoters, yeah, yeah. What's the difference, 
obviously there are big differences with social media and whatnot now. Uh-huh. Um, but how would you get the word out to make this the hot night? Like, oh what is the promotion? Because I know back in the day, promotion is like a lot night different. Yeah. Guess what? You actually had to have a flyer. Oh. You actually had to go to somebody and put it in their hand. Wow. Guess what? You actually had to have a phone number. Mm-hmm. There was no internet. If you called yeah. somebody to tell them about the party and they weren't home, the phone That's just it. rang. <laughs> No voicemail. You gotta try back later. Yeah. And if they didn't find out about it, they would find out it upon the street. They would hear it from their friend. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I just went to the club. Did you hear about? Oh, I've heard about that. Where's that? Where's it going to be wow. at this week? So it was a full like word a full network yeah. thing, word yeah. of mouth thing. And like you brought up a really good point, man. It's like the internet is like it's really changed things because it makes promotion so much easier. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know things from like having to like uh, I don't know, man. Not just promotion, but I was even thinking about just even DJing. Like you don't have to carry all these crates anymore. Exactly. Everybody just brings you know like that laptop. Yeah. No, now you can bring a thumb drive. Bring my thumb husband, drive. yeah, my husband's a DJ. And he just yeah. brings a thumb drive. You yeah. know what's up? So, like Jamaica House, I guess was part of that evolution. I think they were finally uh, by the time I think our tenth or eleventh year, I want to say two thousand, they, they finally we were finally using faxes and maybe computers a little bit yeah. more. <laughs> It he was said, crazy. You said faxes. Yeah, faxes. <laughs> You're keeping it. Yay. That's yeah. that that is what it is. Um so if you guys if you could go back to that night mm-hmm. and change anything, mm-hmm. what would it be? Because we did see, you know, in the doc you will see the downfall right. of the club night. So if there's mm-hmm. anything that you could go back and do differently, would you mm-hmm. do it or would you just kind of, you know, do you think it ran its course yeah. towards the end? I think I would definitely do some things differently. Mm-hmm. We were always um, very careful about employing not just enough security, but a little bit extra security. And part of it, too, it depend on the venue we were working with because they would supply their own security, too, and we have to coordinate with them. But, you know, certain things are, are unforeseen. You can hire, you know, 100 guys, but you can't stop somebody from going to the parking lot and passing a gun through a hole in the fence, you know, yeah. those little things. And we it even got to the point where I personally, I kind of, uh, I don't know, I kind of, uh, I kind of felt a distasteful vibe because we had metal detectors by the end of it, yeah. you know, and it was like, you know, dress code, right. you know, about, I used yeah. to be able to go with my hat turned back and my sneakers and now, you know, to get in and and, and rightfully so it's right. for a reason, yeah. you know, but you know, you had to charge 30 to get in. You have to have your suit and tie. All the ballers were coming up and popping bubbly. And you know, those are, you it know, changes you, the, it, it changes the vibe. It changes the vibe. It does. You know, it is what it is. Right. You know, it was, it was just all part of the process though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think the mark has been left by Jamaica House on the L.A. club scene? Uh, most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. Yeah. I don't want to toot our horn, but again... So, <laughs> toot it! Toot it! Toot it so I'm going to shout out. I'm going to pay tribute. I'm going to pay tri- <laughs> tribute. <laughs> shout out to our boy Jamie, who's done great things, because after we stopped doing Jamaica Gold, he started... I mean, after we started doing Jamaica House, he started doing Jamaica Gold. Ah, uh, see, so I sh- went to that. Yes. Yeah. So shout out to him <laughs> and Q-Boy. And, you know, and I, they always want to right. play more reggae, which I get that, you yeah, know? But yeah. I'm proud to be the guys, be the guy that, like, brought him in. You know, like I said, uh, shout out to uh, uh, Adam 12, and Apex, those guys are doing a big shout out to my man Paul Stewart, shout out to Eddie Donaldson. And man, you know, like these are people that are still doing big things. Right. And you know, I could just, I'm flattered that we're just all a part of the same crew. No kidding. Now, you guys brought in Ice T actually yeah. in the doc. So mm. we have, I believe, a video of that. We can get that up because this is awesome. This is actually um, a clip from his, from Vice, and he's talking about Jamaica. Yeah, House. yeah, yeah. It's a little promo for Vice TV. Yeah. Party stunts. The first time we did the stunt was at a 
party called the Jamaica House. I had this one friend named Ink. Ink was like Evil East sidekick. He was strictly there to just fucking bug out. Yo, check this out. Fuck this show. Fuck this, this whatever they're doing. I give you how much? So it was like five, six hundred. Go up there, butt naked. Take the mic from the MC and start giving a shout out. Once he strips and he starts walking through the crowd, everybody just falls on the ground. We can't even see it. And so then he, he walks up to the MC, takes the mic, and he's just like, yo, fuck that iced tea. My nigga evil is in the house. Real talk. Like that. And when we say oh, butt naked, that's no shoes, no socks, nothing. You had to be absolutely naked. Yikes. And that one, the security grabbed him. I love this part, Security doesn't really like grabbing naked people. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, they don't. Shout out to Ice-T for turning yeah. the party up. No, now, do you remember that night? I remember that night. Yeah. I remember that night. But it was like that every other week in Jamaica House. Between somebody <laughs> running around with their clothes off or, or unfortunately, a fight or bullets ring out or girls scrapping or a, oh, a band Lord. stage oh, diving. Lord. It was, it was uh, man, it was it was a really special time. What was I going to say about Ice? I just want to give yeah. a special shout out to Ice uh, because we're in talks with him to have a bigger role in the film. Nice. And one thing about um, Jamaica House, I guess to compare it to people, when you hear about all these hip-hop films, particularly 90s films, Straight Outta Compton is a, is a very good example. I would say, how is this different? Jamaica House is like the straight out of L.A., and the funny right. thing, all those guys from Compton were coming up to our club. You know, Dre was coming up to mm-hmm. our club. All those guys running Easy E, they were coming up to our club. So I would say this is like the real straight out of Los Angeles, and it's a, it's its own unique story. And Ice T is a big part of that because he was like, like I said, our first performer, and he kind of led the charge. And uh, just side note, a lot of people don't know. Um, Ice-T, you know, he came out with the whole, like, gangster rap crime rhyme, you know, a little bit before N.W.A. N.W.A. obviously took it bigger and blew it bigger. But, man, if you go back and listen to Ice-T's album, like Rhyme Pays and all that, Ice-T was ahead of his time. He was the first one to say, fuck the police. So, And it was really a central point. Him and Pac were central to the club blowing up. Right, right. What I loved about this doc was I'm not from L.A., so Uh I didn't know anything about this culture. I remember, you know, I was really, really young at the time, but I remember seeing some stuff on TV and, like, my brother would cut my older brother would come home with like vibe magazine and i kind of read about some things but like to actually see the footage and to you know witness it through your doc has been absolutely amazing and i loved it so what is one thing that you want the audience to take away from this documentary Mm. i want people to learn and not make the same mistakes twice Mm -hmm. um one thing looking back because we were young i would like when you ask me would i do anything different you know i talked about security and you know, but when I think about it more like marketing, don't take hip hop for granted. And I think we take hip hop for granted. And the culture, it's so powerful, it can also kind of like consume itself. Mm-hmm. And I think we're at a really uh, pivotal time for that. And it's important for, I think, because I used to look up to guys like KRS One, you know, and Chuck D. I think it's important, like guys from me and my generation, to say, okay, look, we don't, we love Migos, we love 21 Savage and all those guys and their music, but we also want to emphasize it's like, look, not only is uh, there's a certain way you can go with hip hop, 
uh, where it'll work out, and there's a certain way you can go where it won't work out. You're too focused on the money, get caught up in the BS and the beef and the violence and the distractions and all that stuff. That's not what it's about. It's about the substance and it's about preserving this culture. Right, exactly. Now, speaking of pre- preserving this culture, uh, what does it mean to you? Do you know, be showing this at the Pan African Film Festival? Oh, man, that's, oh, man, that's, yeah. that's uh, incredible on a whole nother note. Shout out to the Pan African Festival. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, Babu. I actually took my first, they accepted my very first short film. Hey. I think I was, man, up 10 years ago, I did a little <laughs> short film called Jesus Christ Superbad uh-huh. at the Pan African Film Festival. But now, just to be going back there and doing a feature and the other thing is, we grew up in that community. Yeah. Me and all my partners, we grew up at the ball in the Ballinos Crenshaw area. I shot half the film around there, and to actually be screening the film and bringing it back to that same neighborhood that night, it's I don't know, it's uh, it's really special and touching for me. I can't wait. Yeah. I am so excited for you. I'm thank so you. proud of what you've done thank with you, this doc. You. It's really amazing. Everyone should go check it out. It is going to be airing on February 9th at 9:20 p.m. and Monday, February 11th at 4 p.m. Mm. Down there. Yeah. Go, go, ahead, go plug for some it. Other things that go I've done for it. Before we get out of well, <laughs> along the lines of the uh, uh-huh. plug in Jamaica House, you can yeah. always follow us to get in touch with us at jamaicahousemovie.com. You'll see our socials down there. And also, I want to give a shout out to my homegirl, Lori, <laughs> Lori Bula. She was my f- producer for my first documentary. Oh, dope. I did a documentary on Shepard Ferry called uh, Manifest Hope, uh-huh. where I documented his whole process of coming up with the hope image. And I followed him around, you know, like bombing LA and, you know, and putting up the posters and all the way to. DC and Lori was the first person who I guess kind of like gave me a shot and found mm-hmm. me a little bit of funding from like moveon.org and yeah. you know she put me in a position where I could do my first documentary and it's like those things you never know what happens from there so exactly. back then I was able to you know get a real shoot Moby De La uh, so I've worked with Cube since then as a director and you know I just can't wait for more things to happen so thanks for everybody's help in the past yes <laughs> yes and we can't wait to see more documentaries from you right, definitely <laughs> super excited about this all right well where can people find you? Uh, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at Jamaica House Doc and also on IG. I'm going to spell this out carefully. <laughs> Al G underscore Jamaica House Film. That's my IG. Oh, and you can get tickets for Jamaica yes. House. Thank you. <laughs> at PAFF.org. That stands for Pan-African Film Festival. PAFF.org. Get tickets for Jamaica House for the screening this Friday. No, Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> this Saturday, <laughs> 9 o'clock. Yes. Thank yes. you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Thank <laughs> you so much for coming in. It was great to talk to you. Thank you, thank and you, you. can always check us out on Mondays on Black Twitter. We'll back again. Right we'll here on BHL. I'm Alina Vision. You can follow me on all social media at Alina Vision. That's Vision with two S. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. The views Thanks expressed for tuning here in. are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.